How to lose a guy in 10 days. Yes. Go. L is for the way you look at me. O is for the only one I see. V is very, very extraordinary. E is even more than anyone that you adore and love. Is all that I Welcome to How to Lose a Guy in 10 Episodes podcast all about how to lose a guy in 10 days the 2003 rom-com classic uh i feel a little bit a little bit dirty reading out that opening line but we'll get to that as we go through the rest of the uh 10 minute section or 11 minute and 33 section or second section that we're covering my name is oliver brady and with me are my co-hosts richard burns how are you richard doing great ollie and where whereabouts are you uh, I'm in my uh, I'm in my uh, computer room, my apartment in California. Uh, also, <laughs> we are joined by Melanie Ash. Hi, I'm currently in the greatest podcasting closet in Washington D.C. My closet. It <laughs> does look like a very good podcasting closet. And also, we're joined by Christy Kilgore Hiltner. Christy, how are you? I'm good. How are you guys? Well, I, I can't complain. This is episode four, and we're covering minutes. 34 minutes and 40 seconds up as far as 46 minutes and 12 seconds. And for my money, I think we've got the best or maybe second best section of the movie. Christy and Melanie, you two have both seen this movie before? Yes. Uh, Yes. And I would fully say this is the best 10 minutes of the movie. It has action, drama, romance, teddy bears, all the things you want. Mm -hmm. It does have a lot of teddy bears. Richard, you've never seen the movie before? I have not uh, bits and pieces, but uh, I was new to the all the lies and scheming. <laughs> <laughs> I am interested to find out where Richard thinks the rest of this movie is going. So we're gonna pick up where the last movie left off, but or the last the last movie. God, we're already into a sequel. We're gonna <laughs> pick up where the last section left off, and that was with them at the Knicks versus Sacramento Kings game. Um, now, I am not from New York, and I've only been in New York a couple of times. Melanie, you are a proper New Yorker? Uh, from New Jersey, so yes, as New York as it gets. The Knicks are a basketball team. Normally, you have to be really rich to see the Knicks, so I feel like it only helps bolster the fact that you shouldn't be trying to turn off a guy who can get you Knicks seats. Ah, she is the one who... Didn't the she Knicks have the Knicks, Knicks tickets? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. See, See, this is what happens when you're only watching 10 minutes. And look at you jumping <laughs> to the assumption that the man is who provided the tickets in this particular situation. Melanie, Melanie, Melanie. If you're going to ruin <laughs> the game for somebody else, I figure they would have had to buy you the tickets. Um, Richard, are you a sports fan? Uh, you know, I'm not a Knicks fan, but I am a, uh, I am a sports fan. We have the Warriors out here, so it's a pretty good time for basketball. I think oh, the Golden State Warriors. The Golden State Warriors, yeah. Did those were those seats? They looked to be about courtside, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, they yeah. look pretty fucking good seats. Yeah, um, but the reason I wanted to bring this back up is, well, obviously our little section starts in it, but in the last movie, there's one of my favorite things that happens in American sporting movies, and that is the entire crowd going defense, defense. As a European stroke fan of real sports like soccer, um. Is this something that you guys actually shout at sporting events? Yeah. Uh, if you get Americans drunk enough, we'll shout anything. Yeah, I mean, it yeah. doesn't take much. A crowd will just shout. We'll shout at people holding a ball in front of them. But, yeah. But will they shout defense? Yeah. Yeah, they'll make for a, sure. They'll make, a, they'll make a fence and a D out of cardboard, and they'll hold it up and shake it at the players on the field <laughs> or on the court. If they can't yell, if they're... <laughs> At Bears games, there's all sorts of things we do. Like, there's, like, a whole collection of things that you do at a Bears game that, like, do you just know if you go to Soldier Field, you have to do it. I don't know. Yeah, so defense. Yeah, defense at a basketball game. Or, like, airball. Like, yelling, like, everybody chanting airball. So, that's normal. Why would you chant airball? If somebody... Uh, Yeah, if somebody... Choose an airball, then everybody chants airball. 
to shame to shame them. Keep it yeah, to shame them for shame. <laughs> oh, so as in they they throw the ball at the baskety hoop thing and it and misses. Yes. Yeah, misses completely. Air ball. Aha! See, this makes sense. Now you have to understand that I am both Irish and short, and therefore basketball is not something which is particularly inside my wheelhouse. If some, if your team is attacking, so if the Knicks were attacking, would people have been shouting "offense, offense"? I don't think you attack in basketball. <laughs> oh, you definitely yeah. attack in basketball. What? <laughs> uh, no, you don't typically. Uh, you don't typically encourage the the offense quite the same. Uh, also, you don't want it to be as noisy. You want yeah. it to be quieter when your when your team is on offense. You want it to be quieter, and also with with basketball these days, it's all three pointers. So you have to actually remind the players to play defense. At this point. <laughs> They're all trying to be yeah. stars. They're Wait, all trying to no. dunk. Oh, did I say three pointer and you lost it? <laughs> no, no, I understand three pointer, but I also <laughs> know very little about basketball except that a, a dude who with a very Irish sounding name. Steph Curry or Stephen Curry as we would call him over here uh, he he plays for Golden State Warriors and he shoots from the tree all the time yeah yes. Steph Curry is the king of threes also he loves carrots Steph Curry <laughs> that's improved his eyesight well enough to make those long distance yeah. shots I worked with him once on a campaign about vegetables and carrots were what he chose so you could tell a lot about a man by the vegetable he likes. A campaign about vegetables. We're supposed to talk about how to lose a guy in ten days. You've met Steph Curry. Yeah, because yeah, exciting. I, so his sister Aisha <laughs> Curry is a Food Network host. She is great. She's a great cook. Um, but both of them were doing a thing for the Partnership for Healthier America, and they were doing a, a photo shoot with us about fruits and vegetables. And Steph Curry said that he liked carrots. I filed that one away. It's a good fun fact. I never <laughs> made the connection between Steph Curry and Aisha Curry. Me either. I, I didn't know they were actually related. Yeah, they're brother and sister. That's crazy. Yeah. And also, her second name is Curry, and she's a chef. Yes. Hey, that's I, fun. <laughs> I feel like that joke is banned. You can't oh. say it to <laughs> her. Oh, <laughs> um, Christy, I know you have met that dude who got like a really big contract for not playing American football this year. Oh, Jimmy Garoppolo? Yeah, I know yeah. I know he's like a close personal friend. Yeah, he basically, yeah. He went to the university that I work at, and so, yeah, I met him when he was a little college star, so. Yeah, Christy says little college star. I've seen a photograph of Christy, who I've met in real life, is the same size as me, and this guy is towering over her, <laughs> and he has arms as big as my legs. Well, little uh, status-wise at the time, I guess, not physically small. So Yeah, he's a gigantic man. So yeah. it starts with her getting handed a Coke, and when I set up the group chat for this, I renamed the group chat Diet Coke is better, because she tells her new boyfriend... Uh, ben, played by ever so handsome and delightful Matthew McConaughey, uh, to go back and get a diet for her. And as we know, Diet Coke is definitely infinitely better than regular Coke. And we've all agreed with this beforehand. We don't need to talk about it or bring it up. And I'm going to cut out you guys disagreeing <laughs> with me if any of you do. No, no I agree. <laughs> it's true. No, it's true. <laughs> but I mean... what would you do in the situation, even if it wasn't the last two minutes? Or the last, sorry, the last 20 seconds or whatever it was in the game. If you brought a Coke to somebody in a situation like this and they told you it's the wrong type. Now, can I, I mean, ask a, can I ask a quick question of people who've seen this? Because being a, a, yeah. a neophyte to this, I understand the premise that she she's trying to push him away. But has was he told to get a Coke and brought back the, the right one and now she's being fickle? Or she, he... she says, I'm really parched, Benny. Benny Boo Boo, I'm really parched. And then she does like a, a <laughs> yes, mouth parched thing. And then he goes and goes, I'll get it for you. I'll get it for you. And he ran up to get a Coke. And he came I back think he, she might just say like soda or something. or I don't think she says specifically. No, she's non-specific. Yeah. Okay. Which I think is intentional. And the reason, one of the reasons that I like that we got this part is that we get to see the very moment where she goes from like the ultimate cool girl to like when she turns it on to like uh, losing the guy like that's the first team. 
that's the first thing she does because up until then she's been like i'm going to nick's games look i'm so cool i'm free and breezy like you know the ultimate like archetypal cool girl and then you can see in her face like the moment that she's like okay i gotta start doing it and that's yeah. when she does the Diet Coke thing. This is the first moment where she slips into, um, I was going to say crazy ex-girlfriend territory, but she's not an ex-girlfriend yet. She's no. crazy prospective girlfriend. Um, right. Now, Richard, you haven't seen this. So the premise is that she is trying to write an article about losing a guy in 10 days. He has taken a bet with his employer that he can get a girl to fall in love with him, which is why he doesn't instantly run away. Yes, yes. I uh, I was trying to remember his counter scheme, and I, I recalled it being something along those lines. In the end, he goes back to get the Diet Coke. He misses the game-winning... I almost said the game-winning putt. This is how little <laughs> I know about basketball. He missed the game-winning putt. putt. <laughs> they, they come walking out, and then she, in a breathy little whisper, which she seems to slip into quite a few times in the movie, is... Oh, Ben, are you as nice as you seem? And then he yeah. says, no. And I think this is meant to pass as witty. Oh, yes. It was a very spy versus spy moment. Yeah. <laughs> He's got a sly little smile, a little wolf smile that McConaughey does so well. <laughs> yeah, it's a little, I am definitely going to eat your body afterwards. And not in a... Uh, wait, that sounded weird. Fiddlier than I bet. Let's move on. Um, <laughs> uh, so we move on to our second minute which is him the next day at work. The boss who he has taken the bet with and the two girls that he's competing with, which I believe we were supposed to refer to as the Judies, yes. um, are getting handed back uh, work that they've done and their boss is just referring to it as horseshit. And then in comes the secretary and says, Mr. Barry, I've, you've got a phone call. And I don't know whether we're... <laughs> That's what she sounds I can't like. Handle your it's an impressions of American women. Everybody sounds like they're like on a one nine hundred sex line. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they all sound like in this movie. And um, Mr. Barry, and I don't know what her accent's meant to be. Uh, Melanie, you're from that area of New York. You were saying. I think this is just a general parody of New York yuppies, and that is the yuppiest I'm a secretary at an ad agency you can mm-hmm. get. Yeah, she's also, I think she's just like em- embarrassed to be bringing this news of a call that he takes in the middle yes. of a meeting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think the only reason they get away with it is because she's like, it's Andy, and everybody gives like knowing looks to each other because they, everybody knows about the bet, right? Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, everybody knows about it, but I'm sorry, Christy. She doesn't say it's Andy. She says, it's Andy. Oh, <laughs> Just, Andy. <laughs> we have to do the impressions of these people every single time. And then Matthew McConaughey's like, uh, earlier on, because I, I, I watched the entire movie just in preparation because you know, I'm that thorough. Um, if I had to listen to Matthew McConaughey describe anybody in the movie as pretty girl one more time, oh, he's like, Every time he rings her up on the phone, he's like, hey, pretty girl. Yeah, but the thing is, like, intellectually, I hate it. But his voice so much is like when he says, like, hey, girl, to a woman, like, the rational part of me is like, go die in a fire. But the emotional part of me is like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what you mean is the rational part. But then the bit that cleans your eyes and you get to see beautiful, beautiful Matthew McConaughey is like, Oh, All right. yeah. Mr. Barry. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of mask slipping in this section, and I assume through the whole movie. And you can really see they both are very like casually charming, and yeah, you can definitely get that you're like whatever you say, Matthew. Like, mm-hmm. call me whatever. <laughs> I don't care. Like, yeah, um, I do love that. Uh, both of them have their two little sidekicks with them all the time when they're doing these conversations. Gotta have the friends. Gotta have the posse. What is Andy doing? She's on a roof drinking Sky Vodka at what looks like maybe 10 a.m. She's living the life, Melody. <laughs> it can't be before lunchtime. It's definitely before lunchtime, and she's just having a drink with her girlfriends. It's very much like that sort of sex in the city idea of what, like, a journalist, like a like a woman, like, especially at a women's magazine, like, what you do is just, like, hang out with your girlfriends and drink and, and do that kind of thing. Yeah, it's like... It is. It's. It has to be like ten in the morning. <laughs> what her her magazine is consumer is magazine. Is uh, that the name of it? 
Consumer Reports? What? <laughs> no, no, no. It's it's her magazine. It's called Consumer or something like that. Or Composure. Composure. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah. There's a good yeah. chance it's not called Consumer. What Consumer. am I even saying? It doesn't they make any sense. They just leaned in and they're like, "We're just going to call this magazine <laughs> Consumer." <laughs> yeah. So Composure, the fastest growing women's magazine in the country, as uh, as we are told by Benny Boo Boo earlier on in the movie. Um, but they decide to have their second date and he's like oh yeah we can go catch a movie or something and then she's like a movie oh benny i get to choose it's like yeah okay so she chooses to take him to a romantic comedy the implication is that she's taking him to something that a man wouldn't like um well, it actually says chick flick. Like chick on flicks, the, yes. On the, yeah. Whatever it's called. It actually and, says, like, chick flick. Whatever. And there's a collection of four movies being shown. So the first one is the one they go to see to. We'll talk in a second. Bright Green Tomatoes is there. Mystic Pizza is there. And When Harry Met Sally is also on that bill. And I got to say, I would sit down and watch all four of those movies. It's a pretty good slate. Yeah, that is a great Yeah, they're lineup. all good movies. Yeah. They're movies all movies that seen. this movie wish it could be. <laughs> I think you gotta save Sleepless in Seattle for the end. You don't want to close on Mystic Pizza. That's a bad move. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sleepless in and Seattle this... is the only one that's a good cal- uh, palate cleanse. Yeah. And, and this is where the movie commits its number one cardinal sin. Never, ever, ever, ever in a movie should you reference or show a clip from an infinitely superior movie. <laughs> and they not only do they show a clip from Sleepless in Seattle they discuss how good Sleepless in Seattle is in this scene and don't remind me of a better movie that I could really simply and easily watch with a click of a button or well it would require me walking to the shelf and taking the DVD out and swapping them but <laughs> it's going to get put on if Sleepless in Seattle is referenced in the movie so let's all talk about Sleepless in Seattle for a moment Guys, how perfect they, is that movie? It's so Are good. they trying to be self-referential in this movie? Are they trying to do a kind of like wink? Like, we know we're not Sleepless in Seattle. Or do they not know? Do they think they are as good as Sleepless in Seattle? No, this is a genius point. I think it is the movie saying, we're mean-spirited and isn't that subversive? What a rom-com. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've oh, never seen Sleepless so in Seattle smart. either. What? I am sorry. Richard Burns, we're stopping this podcast right now. You've got an hour and 44 minutes, which is exactly the length of Sleepless in Seattle. Um, I know because I watched it today. Uh, and, I want you, and I want you to come back and tell us how amazing Sleepless in Seattle is. Um, but right, we won't spot it, but I do have something for our, our, the other two people who've seen it. If your um, son, so Chris, you've got a, a son, right? If he was to ring yes. into, the, into a radio station and start telling people that you need to get some action... <laughs> would yeah. you find it adorable or no i don't think i would find it adorable but also how how old is the son in sleepless in seattle he's, he's 11 i think they're this always encouraging that... their parents to have sex in wrong yeah. yeah it's very uncomfortable <laughs> this is a thing yeah it happens all the time in rom-coms where it's like the precocious child is like dying to get their parent to hook up with somebody and i don't think that ever has or ever will happen in the history of children i just no see you say that but i've got a five-year-old and the last time i was in the library i mean he definitely pointed at a very attractive lady and says get that one (laughs) there is there is a chance he was pointing at the book that was behind her yeah maybe maybe but i have seen enough romantic comedies to know that he was giving me a signal (laughs) like Go for that one, Daddy. And I was like, oh, oh, oh. Anyway, obviously I didn't. Um, I eh. went and got the book because that's how it works. But yeah, I don't think if uh, if a kid of mine rang in and th- told the entire National Airwaves, oh, my dad hasn't had any in a while. Uh, please hook him up with some. <laughs> <laughs> well, even besides that, like I don't think a kid at that age, you don't understand the concept like, you don't understand the concept that your parents are whole humans with emotions, let alone the concept that your parent would be lonely. Like, oh, I don't yeah. think it would even occur to you that your parent would be lonely unless they flat out told you. And even then, I don't think you'd really know what that meant. So, yeah, it's entirely... 
because I mean, Sleepless in Seattle is wonderful, but the premise, that part is, you know, it's ridiculous. He's, he's also probably too busy being a single dad to be right on the prowl. So what happens in this scene is that she starts talking a lot, trying to distract him. She is shocked to find out that it's his favorite movie as well as her favorite movie. And she ends up engineering a fight with a gigantic human being. He's a mountain has, man. Has this ever happened to you, Richard? <laughs> it has not. I have never. I've not been in a fight. I would not talk in a movie, and I would not allow anyone to talk in a movie. Uh, so, so, so you'd be the big guy behind going control your woman. Yes, yes, that's how I speak to people in public, and uh, <laughs> definitely not just uh, passive aggressively glaring at them in the dark of the theater. Uh, I would definitely pick a fight with a guy who looks like Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> I, I, do you know what? I'd rather fight the other guy than Matthew McConaughey because I wouldn't want to mess up such a beautiful face. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, are you saying the other guy's not beautiful, Ollie? No, no, I'm not. I'm just saying is I don't think I could mess up the other guy. I I have no doubt I'd kick Matthew McConaughey's ass. (laughs) The other guy just seems too big. The other guy, Ollie, you couldn't reach his face to mess it up. No, I couldn't. (laughs) I've I've met uh, I've met Christy in real life and her husband Eric and there are several photographs of me standing beside Eric where I look the size difference between Matthew McConaughey and this guy <laughs> and uh, just the idea of trying to fight somebody that much larger than me is just ridiculous. It's just not going to happen. Melanie, you have been suspiciously quiet, almost like a lady who has been in this situation. <laughs> uh, I have been in the, between a significant other and him getting his ass kicked for doing something stupid. <laughs> oh, please tell us. <laughs> uh, general general shenanigans like throwing a housemate's dishes out into the snow for reasons beyond my control. <laughs> so, I understand Matthew McConaughey here, who is just trying to defend the honor of someone who he is trying to trick into loving him. <laughs> I, I say, it's a weird way to look at it. The, uh, this is kind of a, a moral gray area. I don't think anybody's really in the right here. I think no. the big guy is making too big a deal of not being able to see at the end of the, uh, before they go out to have their fight, he says, I can't see or hear. And it's like, dude, you can see. Like, yeah. <laughs> you're, se- you're seven feet tall and she has her, she's put her head on his shoulder. Like she's as out of the way as she can be at that point. And he's like, I can't see. And it's like, yeah. uh, I'm not also, sure. Also, what, what about the guy behind you? Like what yeah. chance yeah. do they have of seeing? Yeah. Um, she turns around and engineers this fight. She's like, she turns around and is like, listen, mister, my boyfriend's going to go back there and beat your ass. Because uh, now she's from Kansas. And um, it's just, what, it, in reality, this is, this is how that situation would go with me. Uh, I'd be out and away. I'd have gone. She, yes. She'd have turned around as soon as her mouth opened. I'm out, she turns around to see me again. It's just like a... A little pile of dust where I had been. <laughs> yes. She's like, where's Ollie going? A little Ollie-shaped <laughs> puff of dust, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, um, my, I like, but though, that just right before that, she does the classic thing that is supposed to be like what every girl asks and what no man wants to hear, which is, what are you thinking about? Like, like she just, I think she pulls that out, like, real early. Like, that, because that's, that's a full, like... That would send most people running away screaming, at least in the stereotypical rom com world. What do yeah. you what do you think I'm thinking about? Why are you yeah. asking? We're yeah, watching exactly. a movie. Yeah. Right. My favorite thing about it is the way he responds, because she keeps pushing, she keeps pushing it. He then responds with and he, he leaves a little pause and he goes, I'll tell you what I'm thinking. I'm thinking just how damn beautiful you are. <laughs> what what is the purpose of that pause at, at what other point like, it's called what's acting he going to say? <laughs> what, like what i'm saying is is he trying to tantalize her there because like what's his other option how darn beautiful the statue of liberty is in this <laughs> like <laughs> why would you say that like so obviously he's gonna say you are and then she's like oh benny boo and then the fight starts and he gets punched and he ends up lying on his back and he's got his head on her chest and and this is a delicate bit to talk about because he starts um, acting like having his head on her chest is a, a soothing thing for him um, and it's comfortable. And uh, there are many different body types and we're, uh, you know, different people like different things. 
I am fairly certain his head would feel like it was on a cheese grater. (laughs) (laughs) Because this lady is incredibly slim. Yeah. He was getting a lot out of it. I'm imagining her sweater was incredibly soft. Like the softest (laughs) sweater ever. And that's what he was super into. I do have a question. I don't know if anyone else knows this, but did he sniff her? Oh, yeah. did? Okay. Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, that's unanimous then. He, sn- he sniffs yeah. her. He yes. definitely sniffs her. And I don't know if you guys noticed, I don't know whether this is a continuity error. She appears to be wearing pajama bottoms. I did not notice. Like, not she's wearing, like, does this, if you watch that scene again, when she stands up, she's wearing, like, what looks like silky striped pajama bottoms. Oh, oh. it was 2003. That's fashion. No, those were like. <laughs> Yeah, those weren't, I remember those things. They're not pajama bottoms, but they're that, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I don't yeah. think please, they're not actually pajamas. Please, guys, I'm, again, I'm Irish. I, <laughs> our fashion is like 40 years in advance. She wasn't wearing a coat. I was scandalized. <laughs> 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 yes, without her theater mittens, she really was just very inappropriate. <laughs> they had better get married at the end of this movie. That's all I can say. Um, so... Uh, he goes home, and then we cut to himself talking to Thomas Lennon's character, um, who's called Thayer, T-H-A-Y-E-R, is the name of his character. Is this a name? That sounds... No, Is it a last not. name? Is it a last name? Because you know how, like, they're all bros, and um, the bro-y thing is to call people by their last name, right? Adam, Adam Goldberg's character is named Tony. Oh, Tony's a name. Yeah, so oh, yeah, obviously Tony's a name. Now. I don't know. <laughs> well... Yeah, he, I don't know, they like, McConaughey and uh, Thomas Lennon could be like frat guys, so they might go by the last names, but Tony looked a bit more, I was uh, disappointed we don't get any dialogue from Adam Goldberg, because he's like, looks a little more like Anthony Bourdain, tattoos and black t-shirts. <laughs> he does actually a little bit. Um, what I thought when um, I saw Thomas Lennon was, oh, Niles Crane has stepped into this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I he wish. dressed like him and he is acting like Niles Crane not that that's a bad thing but I'm sorry uh, Thomas you are no David Hyde Pierce sir no he looks like a baby is what he looks like Thomas Lennon looks like like he's in high school or something in this yeah he really does quite, quite young yeah um, but I have to say it's a it's a nifty sweater and tie combination as well so they're having a little chat and Matthew McConaughey says I'm going to cook for her tonight because it's the second game in the NBA Finals. He's going to bring around, and Thomas Lennon goes, oh, you're bringing out the big guns. You're going to cook the lamb. Um, yeah, which is fine. Uh, if, if somebody brings you back to their place and cooks, is that really the big guns? It looked really delicious. I think that's a good power move. Like, showing somebody that you know how to cook and doing something fancy like that. I think that's a pretty good move on his part. Yeah, it's a strong play, I think. Um, it's a dedication to, like, really pursuing somebody. Um, mm-hmm. Especially when you have, like, production design fake uh, wax candles to bring out and put on your table. Uh. <laughs> Apparently he owns. Yeah, that's, I, I was just, that is something very interesting where he puts the candles out and they're already covered in wax. Like, how many times has he melted candles there? This is a sign of a man who's really done this a lot. Like, This is very clearly a single play in his playbook. He always has the <laughs> lamb dinner with the candles, yeah. probably during the Knicks game. He can't cook anything else. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to make pasta and I burned myself. <laughs> but I can make exceptionally good lab. But that's another thing, like with Thomas Lennon, where he's like, oh, the lamb. And another thing that happens in rom-coms is like we're in the buddy group. There's all like all the friends are obsessed with the one other friend's sex life. Like they know everything about it and like they get super excited by him getting laid and stuff. And I'm like, what the hell are you guys doing? Like, why are you so worried about whether or not Matthew McConaughey is like getting any? It's very strange. Okay, that's actually a really good point. Uh, my friend currently, we're going to do a little bit of a live event. Um, my friend is currently out on a date, and uh, I'm just going to text him to ask him, did he get any? Ooh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we will see if we get a response. I hope so. Maybe he got beaten up. I actually kind of hope so. Uh, Kieran just got a message that says, all right, get any? And uh, hopefully we'll get a response <laughs> in the next few moments. 
Um, We're gonna test this theory. We then we then cut to work where uh, and uh, sorry Andy is chatting with her friends. Uh, oh, and I just got a response from Kieran saying F- off. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sorry, Darren. You can beep that out, but that's what's just after popping up on my screen. Um, Andy is sitting with work and she's or in work with her friends and she's discussing the events of the uh, punch from the night before. She's eating a burger and complaining about how they forgot to put bacon on it. And over walks a uh, uh, babe, uh, babe. I can never pronounce it. It's babe, baby, baby Newark or Newark? Baby Newark, yeah. Baby Newark. And uh, she played Lilith in um, in Fraser. Speaking of Niles Crane, uh, and she's fabulous in everything she's ever been in ever. And she's like, yeah, I love the the stories you're giving me or the the updates you're giving me on your piece. And when are you seeing them again? And she says, they're going to see each other tonight, going around for dinner. And then Baby Newart says, oh, Andy, tonight takes smaller bites. And then all three of the women laugh like this is the funniest thing that's ever happened. And it's disgusting. Wait. <laughs> it's not even a big deal. She's just like eating a cheeseburger, right? A burger. Yeah. Oh, She's eating it's... a huge burger. You got to take giant bites of that thing. You can't just nibble at it. Exactly, but is that a is that a sex thing? No. Take smaller bites. I no, think I think so. she meant don't look like a slob, you dummy. But no, shouldn't she look like look... a slob in order to lose him? No, That's because true. this is us like seeing Andy in her element, which is again like the cool girl. Like, look how cool she actually is. Her friends are eating salads, and she's eating a bacon cheeseburger. You know, because yes. she's that kind of cool girl or whatever. It's like okay. And she keeps going the, back to the same restaurant that keeps could like repeatedly forgets her bacon. Like I wouldn't go back. <laughs> it's, yeah, she says they always forget my bacon. hundred percent. She shouldn't be going there. But you're right. The other two girls are eating. Um, girls. The other two women are eating uh, salads. Oh, uh, one of eating the, this. Big one is having sushi, and it looks amazing. Ooh. It oh, does sushi. look I'm really sorry. good. But they're yeah. both Catch having like appropriately feminine, like I'm on a diet kind of lunches, and you know. Andy's having her cheeseburger. Yes, because she obviously has the figure of somebody who's eaten a cheeseburger <laughs> once, <laughs> once yeah. in her life. Um, so we then cut to the evening, and she's round in the house, and he's in the middle of. I was going to say making his lamb, but the way he's talking, I would say making love to his lamb. Uh, <laughs> and she walks in, and he's so distracted by the meat and what he's doing to it that she manages to walk around like a whirlwind in his house and brings in plants, brings in stuff for his bathroom, brings in little teddy bears. And I'm sorry, I got to admit this. This is meant to be a, oh, look at what she's doing to his place. She improves that place (laughs) in about seven seconds. (laughs) It looks like a much nicer apartment. Except for the toilet things. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I don't think if that happened to me, if somebody came in and put that on my toilet, I would immediately be like, Oh, this is a joke. You're, I'm, I'm getting pranked or something because nobody, <laughs> besides it's like somebody's grandma puts that like fuzzy toilet thing on the toilet. See, I liked the plant though. I thought that was cool. Like, yeah, bring me a fern. I'm down. Yeah. It's our love fern, Benny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, where does the fern end up? Does he just have it in his hands when the? I think he just sets it aside. I he, think he just puts it aside and it comes back to relevance in the next 10 minute section yes yeah uh the the teddy bears are a little tacky some of it's a little tacky but yeah in general she definitely makes it more homey so yeah it's nothing to get and then she lies to him when she she starts to cry when he brings it to her and sings mary had oh sorry we have the best scene just before that where she changes the cds in the cd player which had been marvin Gaye and stuff like this and uh, nelly as you do because um, it's 2003 and it is getting hot in there. Oh, yeah. um, and she replaces them with Sinead O'Connor. And in the particular song she plays is Carly Simon, You're So Vain. Um, a song, I don't know whether she's trying to send a message to him, but I mean, he's he's a pretty vain guy. Uh, what do you guys think of, of her choice of music? Oh, I was really into the lineup she picked, not specifically for this dinner, but just for life in general. I yeah. would rather have watched them dance to Carly Simon than continued on with the scene. I think it was a kind of a weird choice because I know she's supposed to be trying to lose him, but she's supposed to be overdoing it as clingy girl. And you're so vain mm-hmm. seems more like a 
Hughes song. So I thought that was kind of strange, but I guess if you're just trying to appear mentally imbalanced, it works. <laughs> well, it just, it's, I mean, you know, it all seems like nice music is just leaning into like, they're all like lady singers. Like, I guess like, um, sorry, lady singers is an incredibly dismissive way. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's basically like what, like the Lilith Fair lineup or something. And so I yeah. guess it's supposed to just be too, too feminine and put them off, but it seemed nice. Right. But the song. Yeah, but they're all, yeah. they're all great. They're all great musicians, yeah. except possibly Sinead O'Connor. Um, but and I'm just saying that as an Irish person because she wrecks my head. One thing I, would, I, I just I'll, I'll tell a little story um, about uh, your Vane. When we were in college, we had a music therapy session, and uh, mm-hmm. we all had to sit around, and then everybody had to pick a song that reminded them of the other person that they were partnered with. So there were six of us in the room. And all five of the people in the room uh, picked "You're So Vain" as a song that reminded them of me. <laughs> um, and it was fu- when the first one came out, it was funny, and then the second one came out, it was like ha 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 ha. By the time the fifth one came out with "You're So Vain," <laughs> I was literally sitting there going, "I've never felt so inspected in my life," and I have had a full body inspection at an airport, and I still never felt as inspected <laughs> as I did at that point. So, um, yeah, this song really really touched me on an emotional stroke horrific level um but she says i don't eat meat and they go to eat tofu in some sort of uh new agey restaurant new agey restaurant i'd say would be the a best new way to restaurant it. that is i think supposed to be full of angry lesbians see thank you very much christy kilgore because i described that to the person i was watching today and i said oh it seems to be full of angry lesbians and i was told well what makes you think they're lesbians I mean, I think that's what the movie is trying to put out there. Like, I don't think it's it's a stretch to assume that. Like, after the whole, after she gets upset and stomps away and everybody's glaring at her, it's like, I think that's, I think that's the idea, is that she took him to the most hostile place she could think of. Where she's not even enjoying the food. Right. No. I love that she busts into the back room, eating a burrito from nowhere. Where did it come from? <laughs> and she's apparently best friends with the chefs already. Yeah. Did they make yeah. her a burrito special? No, it's like they're all <laughs> friends or something. Like she does this yeah. all the time. <laughs> well, it's I'm always bringing dudes moves, here, right? Yeah. <laughs> or I guess she has she ever done this before? Or is this this is not her scam? Uh, no, this is just something that she's she's taken on to do because Catherine Han's character had been dumped and um, Baby Newworks. I can't. I can say that's so weird. Baby Baby Um <laughs> I, I don't know, whatever way I'm pronouncing it, it just doesn't seem right when it leaves my mind. Um, but she wanted to write about it and somebody else had volunteered and then Andy jumped in to like save her friend's blushes kind of thing and said, I'll do one about driving men away. I think this is the meanest thing she does to him of all the things she does. I mean, later on, she ruins stuff with his friends and she gets a dog and she tries to name his member, as they say, four or five times. Uh, princess sophia start crying in a restaurant and then publicly announce that my boyfriend thinks i'm fat and i can't eat in front of him paints him out to be one of the humanity's worst monsters yeah uh it's pretty bad like i don't think especially when it's an obvious lie like that i don't think even with the fact that he's in a competition i don't think i would stay with a person who did that to me which is you know usually it's not the 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 female characters part that's like uh, uh so problematic when you go back and look at old rom-coms but that would actually be bordering on problematic i think in some ways because there's always the the you know the like false accusations and like that this article when it came out would not be greeted with enthusiasm i don't think but especially as, as christy said with the clientele that are in the restaurant yeah they're not going to be inclined to listen to handsome tall man saying i you know i didn't make her cry she's making this up so like she's crying and running off and he's going to try and convince the other people in the restaurant actually she's not crying she's making it up like That's... he's in a very sticky situation here we're then left the end she's watching the end of the uh the second match between the sacramento kings and the Knicks and he's kind of trying to find out what the score is and she's watching it and having a good time and that's the end of our our 11 minutes and 33 seconds and I think it was a very enjoyable time. I loved how mean-spirited it was. <laughs> yeah, I kind of did too. <laughs> like, it's rare to find, like, 
most rom-coms it's like a misunderstanding or something and these two are just like after each other and which is horrible but kind of cathartic and fun to watch in a way to just like watch people be horrible (laughs) yeah and what i remember from seeing bits and pieces later in the movie is that it just gets even more like low down and like desperate and so i i would look forward to seeing how it escalates i think i probably will end up catching up with the rest of it well there are two questions i need to ask now the rest of us have seen this so this is for you richard um number one will ben get to pitch i mean you know i don't think i'm going out on too far of a limb but uh i bet he pitches (laughs) (laughs) it's almost like this rom-com is gonna follow formula conventional rules and and the second gonna one, work out <laughs> will annie lose the guy intended uh you know i bet that also happens but i also bet she gets him back although actually it'll be i'd be curious to see who gets who back i couldn't honestly when they both have to be so so horrible and and, and play out these roles I'm, I'm curious how it how it does resolve so and that's the the, the rest of us so we've seen uh, melly and chrissy what are your first memories of seeing this movie or when was the first time you came across it i rented it way back in the day from blockbuster because my girlfriend and i had a rom-com night when we were in middle school of course we did so we would get popcorn and ice cream and rent whatever we wanted from blockbuster and watch it this sweet and sweet home alabama were like our top two movies we definitely rented both of them very frequently Sweet Home Alabama with Reese Witherspoon and Josh Lucas. Yes. I don't know why that was one of our favorites, but it was right up there. Oh, man. Oh, He's such a, a deep sweet... and troubled artist. I have a Sweet Home Alabama fun fact. At the, the song at the beginning of the movie, like the female sweet... artist singing Sweet yeah. Home Alabama, I went to high school with the girl that sang that. What? No way. Yeah. Ooh, that's a Charlotte good one. Martin. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's kind of that's crazy. awesome. Yeah. We worked at a coffee shop together. Yeah, that's pretty good. Cool. Uh, Christy, when was the first time you saw How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days? I'm trying to think about that. Like, I notoriously have a horrible memory, and also this was 2003, and Ethan was born in 2002, and so I had a baby. The only way I saw it would have been if I rented it or when it eventually came on TV, because I was not going to movies ever. <laughs> and so, and I think I probably saw it when it was on its loop of. This is one of those movies that's on 24-7 for some reason, like on TBS or whatever it would have been. And I think I probably saw it in bits and pieces. I probably didn't see the whole thing from beginning to end until like... I went on a date to see this movie. What? Yeah. And I had it advertised to me by another couple who'd gone to see it. And they told the girl I was going out at the time, if I was actually engaged at the time, and they said to us they were like oh guys you'd love this movie it's it's a movie about two assholes trying to trick each other who end up accidentally falling in love but they're both assholes <laughs> and i gotta admit it's a movie about two assholes who are trying to trick each other and then inadvertently fall in love between this and the you're so vain i'm really starting to wonder what you were like <laughs> i was a, a super nice guy uh this came out roughly the same year as down with love uh which is also about two people trying to trick each other um damn it loves a much better movie but it's got that same sort of vibe of battle of the sexes let's subvert the genre uh and see how things go it's just damn it love has a like a cool 50s and 60s kind of pillow talk kind of vibe but so you haven't seen the whole of this movie and you've not seen sleepless in seattle why do you hate rom-coms and happiness i do not hate rom-coms uh i was I was a Hugh Grant guy when it came to rom-coms. So I've seen all of, most of his classics. There are a couple I haven't seen, but I've seen, um, well, actually, I'm not going to be able to pull any names because they all blend together. But like... You've seen Love Actually, Two Weeks Notice. Yes, Two Weeks Notice, Music and Lyrics. um, Notting Hill. Yes, I've seen Notting Hill. Oh, and I I love Julia Roberts, so I've seen most of her, um, although not all of them. There's some obvious holes in that. Um, Desperate measures. Desperate measures. Well, not really. <laughs> it's not a rom com, <laughs> but it's got Hugh Grant in it, and he's bumbling. Yes. <laughs> well, he's always bumbling. He's always bumbling and charming. <laughs> I'm so delightfully <laughs> British. Yes. <laughs> um, no, I really, I, I do like them. Uh, for a while, I probably thought I was too cool for them, but of course, that was nonsense, and so I haven't caught up with some of the classics, and I uh, really need to. I haven't seen When Harry Met Sally either. I haven't seen any of that marquee actually. 
I haven't seen that, and I haven't seen Mystic Pizza, so I really shouldn't be uh, on this at all. <laughs> we know what you're doing this weekend. You're... Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Melanie, what's your relationship with romantic comedy? Uh, so, as I said, uh, my girlfriend and I in middle school watched them basically every weekend because we rented movies from Blockbuster all the time, and since we were 12, our only goals in life were to look at cute guys, look at Chad Michael Murray specifically, who was the obviously cutest guy back in like 2005 and oh, 2000 and never oh rude rude <laughs> chad michael murray was a hunk i oh well, no what are you doing seriously what yes. chad, no oh uh, what movie was he in did he have a play a for- cinderella story oh, get yes, out okay. <laughs> you're you're talking about chad michael murray as in from gilmore girls and one tree hill yes the chad michael murray Chad Michael Murray. Chad Michael Murray. No way. No way. I can't say. I, I'm going to have to say. Chad Michael Murray. Not a hunk. Wow. Okay. Not a hunk, but my favorite rom-com male. He's my favorite lead. So I watched a lot of rom-coms that way. So my tastes are definitely older. My worst rom-com thing is that I hate love, actually. Wait, why do you hate Love Actually? I have a lot of feelings about Love Actually that can be its own podcast, but it is my least favorite rom-com, and I think that it has only served to reinforce a lot of negative factors in the genre. Excellent. Uh, Christy, what's your relationship with uh, rom-coms in general? I love rom-coms for a lot of reasons. I was in a bad marriage for a long time, and they were really, like, escapist fantasy fun. So, like what you were saying about, like, Love Actually, like... I don't think love actually is a goal any person should have to act like any of those things, but it's like escapist kind of like fun. And just, I really like to be able to like fall into the, especially these sorts of like the most obvious, like white people, first world problems type things. And like everybody's (laughs) rich and it all just looks nice and everybody has nice stuff and you can just watch it. And it's like, it feels like I'm kind of like a little warm blanket or something like that. And that's you know, and so I uh, love rom coms. Um, I I for a long time I was a a man's man, ladies' man, man about town, um, and yet still I've always grown up absolutely adoring the genre for some reason. Um, I'm not a huge comedy guy. I know myself, and Christy, have talked about this before in the past. I I generally don't find most comedy funny. I just kind of go like, huh, interesting. <laughs> humorous. Which makes me sad. <laughs> humor. This is humorous. I, I get what they're saying. How, how witty of them. Um, but I, with rom-coms, I find myself sitting down and it's like a little bit of my brain switches off and goes, oh, delightful. He's in love with his Portuguese maid. Oh, yeah. amazing. He's the prime minister and he's in love with his secretary and the American comes in and he's all bluff and he tries to sexually harass her and he stands up to him. And, oh, delightful, his wife died, but he's looking after his son and helping him to get some. Because Love Actually is an amazing movie and I'm just throwing out all the Melanie's directions. <laughs> but, uh, Rude. Uh, <laughs> I genuinely like rom-coms. Um, what about the leads in this? Have you guys seen Matthew McConaughey or, um, or Minnie Goldie Hawn, Kurt Russell in anything else? I mean, I've seen, I mean, you know, McConaughey in lots of things, but I haven't seen his, his classic before he kind of had his McConaissance. Um, I didn't see a lot of his, like, rom-coms when he was sort of in that the 90s and early 2000s phase. I think this was his first kind of, like, oh, I can be this rom-com guy role, I think. Yeah. Yeah, because I guess he's in he... another movie with Kate Hudson later. Yeah, was she like, in oh. Girlfriend's Past? Was she in Ghost of Girlfriend's Past, or was she? No, uh, Fool's Gold. Oh, I think yeah. it was called Fool's Gold. Oh yeah. man, he was very Fools. shirtless in that. Very yeah. shirtless. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, so how how shirtless does he get in this movie? Because he's not shirtless at all in this eleven minutes. Oh, I was you robbed. missed it. He's shirtless in the 10 minutes before. You're kidding. And shirtless in the 10 minutes after. <laughs> we have the most clothed scene of Matthew yeah, McConaughey that's, that I exists. realize that. Like, that's, he has all the clothes on in, the, in our part. That's, that's weird. garbage. Yeah, it is. It's yeah. bullshit. Yeah. We got robbed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about Kate Hudson? Have you guys enjoyed her in any movies? Almost Famous, I think, is the only one I've seen. I was just about to say, like, uh, she's she's pretty damn adorable and Almost Famous. Yeah, she, uh, yeah. I think she does very good. Um, she's in an Irish movie called About Adam, 
which is uh, I remember seeing at the time and thinking that was very good. And then I went back to watch it there recently. Don't watch about Adam. Is that with Stuart Townsend? <laughs> with Stuart Townsend, yeah. And it's oh, it's just it's so Sounds trying cool. its hardest to be cool and edgy and you know we're messing with the conventions while also sticking 100% to every convention of rom-com you've ever seen in your life but like we're we're gonna make it seem a little bit edgy um but i think we've said pretty much everything we can say about our 11 minutes to three seconds the best or second best of the movie i think i I have a soft spot for the bit that's coming next so episode five guys it's a really good part there's a dog and it pisses on two different things (laughs) And I'll always have I'll always have time in my heart for a dog that pees on a pool table. Oh, you spoiled it. So <laughs> it's time for plugs, everybody. So we'll start with Richard. Richard, do you have anything you want to plug or where people can find you? Uh, at Mr. Richard Burns on Twitter, but I don't tweet, so I don't really have a plug. <laughs> uh, Christy, what about yourself? Um, I'm at C. Kilgore on pretty much everything. If you want to see pictures of my house or of my daughter, <laughs> that's what you're going to get. Christy, have you uh, decided to start your podcast about bingo yet? No, not Ooh. yet, because I'm too lazy. Yeah, my husband and I, I have an idea to do a week-to-week uh, bingo podcast where we draw one number a week and people play along. <laughs> and uh, I have said this to Christy repeatedly i've said to eric and i said hey, well, listen people have a lot more interest in numbers than they realize <laughs> and that if you mention a number to somebody they will instinctively have a memory of that number and they link it to something so if you if say for example christy pulls out the number seven if you say to people what's the first thing that comes into your head when you think of the number seven i guarantee you every single person has a memory because that's how our brains work psychologists have done multiple experiments on this i think it's a great idea for podcast and i'm trying to get her to do it for uh conservatively a year and a half now so get <laughs> well, it I mean, done christy then, then we'd uh we'd have at least one episode that was devoted to 69 so you know we've got that to look forward to yeah because we all think <laughs> about the exact same thing when we hear about 69 it was the year the beatles first talked about breaking up nice. um, exactly. <laughs> and melanie where can people find you? And you, I believe, have a new podcast. I do have a new podcast. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Melanie Asherman because I'm really boring. And if you want to listen to season one of my new podcast, Animated Opinions, I talk about animated movies with my best friend, Emily. It's great. Uh, please go download it off of your podcast catcher of choice. Speaking of best friends, Emily, my best friend, Emily, also does a podcast with me, where we talk to strangers that we've only ever found or found only ever met on the internet. So, for example, that's how I know Melanie, and that's how I know Chrissy. And I'm assuming we're going to get Richard on as guest now, since I've got to meet him on the on through the medium of the internet. And we just talk to them about their lives, and they like to tell us their stories, and it's it's very interesting, great. And I have a second podcast with um, a doctor of medieval history named Sarah If Decker, or Doctor Sarah If Decker. Um, I'm going to always say doctor because if I don't, I feel like I'm 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 holding her back from from what she deserves uh, and we talk about medieval movies and what they get right what they get wrong and she educates you and then i say stuff like stab him in the face <laughs> and uh and it's all great so um you can find us all there uh thanks everybody for listening and enjoy the next episode bye bye, bye. Love is 